0: Hey guys, welcome to Dark Veil. Vale. We're your hosts, John and Tori. Dark Veil vale is a podcast that discusses the darker side of life.
1: We are not professionals on any of the topics we discuss.
0: We do as much research as we can and we do try to be as accurate as possible. However, no one is perfect and neither are we.
1: Because we're discussing the darker side of things, this podcast is best listened to by a mature audience.
0: So sit back. And get ready to Podcast Podcast and Chill! Hey guys, welcome to Dark Vale. My name is John.
1: And my name is Tori.
0: So today, we're going to do part two of Jeffrey Dahmer. And we left off talking about the murder of his acquaintance, Edward Smith. So I'll just... Go through that one again just as a like refresher and then we will continue on
1: sounds good so in June
0: 1990 Dahmer lured a 27 year old acquaintance named Edward Smith to his apartment he drugged and strangled him on this occasion rather than immediately acidifying the skeleton or repeating previous processes of bleaching, which had rendered previous victims' skulls brittle, Dahmer placed Smith's skeleton in the freezer for several months in the hope it would not retain moisture. Freezing the skeleton did not remove moisture, and the skeleton of <coughs> excuse me of this victim would be acidified several months later. Dahmer accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed when he placed it in the oven to dry, a process that caused the skull to explode. Dahmer himself was, to later inform police, he had felt rotten about Smith's murder as he had been unable to retain any parts of his body. Dahmer said, it was my way of remembering their appearance, their physical beauty. I also wanted to keep, if I could keep them, there with me whole, I at least... Oh, sorry. If I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I at least could keep their skeletons.
1: That is really a very strange and creepy sentiment. Yeah. Having someone's skeleton with you is not the same as remembering somebody in a loving way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What a... What a way to immortalize someone. Just skin them, take all the flesh off, and keep their skeleton sitting with you. Um, less than three months after the murder of Smith, Dahmer encountered a 22 year old Chicago native named Ernest Miller on the corner of North 27th Street. Miller agreed to accompany Dahmer to his apartment for $50 and further agreed to allow him to listen to his heart and stomach. That's a <laughs> that's a weird request yeah. to agree to. When Dahmer attempted to per- perform oral sex upon Miller, he was informed, that'll cost you extra, whereupon Dahmer gave his unintended victim a drink laced with two sleeping pills. On this occasion, Dahmer had only two sleeping pills to give his victim, Therefore, he killed Miller by slashing his carotid artery with the same knife he used to dissect his victims' bodies. Miller bled to death within minutes. Dahmer then posed the nude body for various suggestive Polaroid photographs before placing the body in his bathtub for dismemberment. Dahmer repeatedly kissed and talked to the severed head while he dismembered the the remainder of the body. Yikes. That's gross. Yeah. And twisted. Dahmer wrapped Miller's heart, biceps, and portions of flesh from the leg in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge for later consumption. He boiled the remaining flesh and organs into a jelly-like substance using Soylex, which again enabled him to rinse the flesh off the skeleton, which he intended to retain. To preserve the skeleton, Dahmer placed the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours before allowing them to dry upon a cloth for one week. The severed head was initially placed in the refrigerator before being stripped of flesh, then painted and coated with enamel. Could you imagine going over to somebody's house and just finding a severed head in their fridge? No, <laughs> I, yeah. I can't. I and
1: when I think about that, I know one of my first thoughts would be, I'm not safe. Yeah. Because there's no explanation for
0: that. My first thought I think would be really hoping that that's uh, fake and not real. Yeah. Um, Three weeks after the murder of Miller, on September 24th, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old man named David Thomas at the Grand Avenue Mall and persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks with additional money on offer if he would pose for photographs. In his statement to police after his arrest, Dahmer stated that after giving Thomas a drink laden with sedatives, He did not feel attracted to him but was afraid to allow him to awake in case he would be angry over having been drugged therefore he strangled him and dismembered the body intentionally retaining no body parts whatsoever he photographed the dismember, dismemberment process and retained these photographs which later aided in thomas thomas's subsequent identification
1: that's crazy the i don't i don't understand that like he goes to the trouble of doing that, and he's like, "eh, not attracted." Yeah. Eh, I'm just gonna get rid of this object.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. And if you remember back earlier in the story, he trained himself to think. Yeah. Of people as like se- yeah, sexual objects basically, <clears throat> but objects in general.
1: But that person still had to die. Like it was no big deal. Like. Yeah. Eh. I'm killing him.
0: Yes, he'd rather kill him than him wake up angry that he was drugged. Like, he could have just drug him...
1: And dropped him off somewhere. Yeah,
0: exactly. And let him wake up randomly somewhere else.
1: Yeah, his regard for human life is disgusting.
0: Yeah, there is zero regard. Um, Following the murder of Thomas, Dahmer did not kill anyone for almost five months. Although... On a minimum of five occasions between October 1990 and February 1991, he unsuccessfully attempted to lure men to his apartment. He is also known to have regularly complained of feelings of both anxiety and depression to his probation probation officer throughout 1990, with frequent references to his sexuality, his solitary lifestyle, and financial difficulties. On several occasions, Dahmer is also known to have referred to harboring suicidal thoughts. In February 1991, Dahmer observed a 17-year-old named Curtis Strotter standing at a bus stop near Marquette University. According to Dahmer, he lured Stratter into his apartment with an offer of money for posing nude for photos. With the added incentive of sexual intercourse. I'm really having an issue with my tongue today. (laughs) Yes. Um, Dahmer drugged and strangled Strotter with a leather strap. Then dismembered him with Dahmer retaining the youth's skull, hands, and genitals and photographing each stage of the dismemberment process.
1: To me, it's especially worse when I hear about children being his victims. Oh, yeah. And I th- and I think we discussed that in the last episode, but it's like age didn't matter to him. It, it was just objects that he was basically collecting for his own pleasure. Yeah. Like, that's what he thought of humans, right? Yeah. It's really sad.
0: Yeah, it really is. Not Not that it's... <clears throat> Excuse me.
1: Not that it's not sad that any of them died. I'm just saying it's especially sad that some of his victims were kids.
0: Yeah. I agree. Less than two months later, on April 7th, Dahmer encountered a 19-year-old named Errol Lindsay walking to get a key cut. Lindsay was heterosexual. Dahmer lured Lindsay to his apartment where he drugged him, drilled a hole in his skull, and poured hydrochloric acid into it. According to Dahmer, Lindsay awoke after this experiment, which Dahmer had conceived in the hope of inducing a permanent, unresistant, submissive state, saying, I have a headache. What time is it? In response to this, Dahmer again drugged Lindsay, then strangled him. He decapitated Lindsay and retained the skull. He then flayed Lindsay's body, placing the skin in a solution of cold water and salt for several weeks in the hope of permanently retaining it. Reluctantly, he disposed of Lindsay's skin when he noted it had become too frayed and brittle. He was really trying to preserve and save the, I mean body parts the skeletons the flesh
1: yeah and he drilled a hole into his brain right
0: yeah he drilled a hole into his his skull into
1: his skull and poured in hydrochloric acid into it so he's trying to make some sort of sex zombie
0: yeah that's it that's basically what i was getting from that too The hope of inducing a permanent, unresistant, submissive state? Yeah. 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 By 1991, fellow residents of the Oxford Apartments had repeatedly complained to the building's manager, uh, Sopa Princewell, of the foul smells emanating from apartment 213, in addition to the sounds of falling objects and the occasional sound of a chainsaw. Oh, (laughs) Who's using a chainsaw in an apartment and not getting the landlord called on him?
1: Yeah, that's crazy if I... (laughs) Wow.
0: Princewell did contact Donner in response to these complaints on several occasions, although he initially accused the the odors emanating from his apartment as being caused by his freezer breaking, causing the contents to become spoiled. On later occasions, he informed Princewell that the reason for the resurgence of the odor was that several of his tropical fish had recently died and that he would take care of the matter.
1: You know what? I don't think you can mistake rotting flesh for the smell of a couple dead fish or a deep freeze
0: of food. It would have to be fairly large fish rotting for quite a while for that... To give off that kind of an odor that you could get a complaint from other residents of the apartment. That's.
1: That's insane. How did he he
0: get away with that? Why?
1: That's insane that he would be doing any of that in an apartment. Yeah. Like if I heard the occasional chainsaw from a neighbor in their apartment. I would be calling and calling until somebody checked that out.
0: That's yeah. That's
1: not regular.
0: Yeah. And over the course of time, you'd think that the residents would start paying a bit of attention to him and somebody would have noticed that he keeps coming home with somebody, but then nobody's leaving the next day. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a chainsaw going.
1: And the smells. Yeah.
0: But... And the smells. Ugh.
1: You know though, I get it, like it's easy it's easy to say now knowing knowing what was going on. But I understand how when you're in the moment and it's everyday life and you know how you would I understand how it could not be caught either, right? Like how he could just slip through the cracks of that, but still. Yeah. I don't know.
0: On the afternoon of May 26, 1991, Dahmer encountered a 14 year old Lao teenager named Konrak Synthesomphone.
1: Konrak Synthesomphone.
0: Yeah? Yeah, that's a tough one. On Wisconsin Avenue. By coincidence, Conorack was the younger brother of the boy whom Dahmer had molested in 1988. He approached the youth with an offer of money to accompany him to his apartment to pose for Polaroid pictures. According to Dahmer, Conorack was initially reluctant to his proposal before changing his mind and accompanying Dahmer to his apartment, where the youth posed for two pictures in his underwear before Dahmer drugged him into unconsciousness and performed oral sex on him. On this occasion, Dahmer drilled a single hole into Conorak's skull, through which he injected hydrochloric acid into the frontal lobe. Before Conorak fell unconscious, Dahmer led the boy to his bedroom, where the body of 31-year-old Tony Hughes, whom Dahmer had killed three days earlier, lay naked on the floor. According to Dahmer, he believed that Conorak saw this body, yet did not react to seeing the bloated corpse, likely because of the effects of the sleeping pills he had ingested and the hydrochloric acid Dahmer had injected through his skull. Conorak soon became unconscious, whereupon Dahmer drank several beers while lying alongside Conorak before leaving his apartment to drink at the bar. Then purchase more alcohol. In the early morning hours of May 27th, Dahmer ret- returned toward his apartment to discover Conorak sitting outside naked on the corner of 27- 20- 25th and State, talking in Lao with three distressed young women standing near him. Dahmer approached the women and told them that Conorak, whom he referred to by the alias. John Mung was his friend and attempted to lead him into his apartment by the arm. The three women dissuaded Dahmer, explaining they had phoned 911. Upon the arrival of two Milwaukee police officers, Dahmer's demeanor relaxed. He told the officers that Conorak was his 19-year-old boyfriend, that he had drunk too much following a quarrel, and that he frequently behaved in this manner when intoxicated. The three women were exasperated, and when one of the trio attempted to indicate to one of the officers that Konarak was bleeding from his buttocks, and that He had seemingly struggled against Omer's attempts to walk him to his apartment. The officers harshly informed her to butt out, shut the hell up, and not interfere, adding the incident was domestic.
1: That is really sad because that young boy who was only 14 almost got saved. Yeah. Yikes.
0: That's unreal. Against the protests of the three women, the officers simply covered Conorak with a towel and walked him to Dahmer's apartment where, in an effort to verify his claim that he and Konorak were lovers, Dahmer showed the officers the two semi-nude Polaroid pictures he had taken of the youth the previous evening. The officers later reported having noted a strange scent reminiscent of excrement inside the apartment. This odor emanated from the decomposing body of Hughes. Dahmer stated that to investigate this, one officer simply peeked his head around the bedroom, but really didn't take a good look. The officer then left with a departing remark that Dahmer take good care of Conorek.
1: Oh, man. That's
0: crazy. They were in his apartment. One cop just poked his head around the corner and was like, "Eh, looks good to me. Take good care of that guy who was actually a young boy. That's absolutely unreal. Had the two police officers conducted a background check on Dahmer, it would have revealed that He was a convicted child molester under probation. Upon the departure of the two officers from his apartment, Dahmer again injected hydrochloric acid into Conorak's brain. On this second occasion, the injection proved fatal. The following day, May 28th, Dahmer took a day's leave from work to devote himself to the dismemberment of the bodies of Conorak and Hughes. He retained both victims' skulls. On June 30th, Dahmer traveled to Chicago where he encountered a 20 year old man named Matt Turner at a bus station. Turner accepted Dahmer's offer to travel to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot. At the apartment, Dahmer drugged, strangled and dismembered Turner and placed his head and internal organs in separate plastic bags in the freezer. Turner was not reported missing Turner was not reported missing. Five days later, on july fifth, Dahmer lured twenty-three year old Jeremiah Weinberger from a Chicago bar to his apartment on the promise of spending the weekend with him. He drugged Weenberger and twice injected boiling water through his skull, sending him into a coma from which he died two days later. Oh boiling water.
1: I don't- Boiling water is worse than the thought of hydrochloric acid. I think they're both pretty rough.
0: I I would agree with you for sure. I would just hope that the hydrochloric acid is a bit faster acting. But who knows really. Because God only knows what boiling water is doing that fast in your brain too.
1: Yeah, that's
0: yucky it's unusually gruesome and depraved like it's so because we've done a few different serial killers right and they they get pretty graphic and they're pretty brutal the way they conduct their murders and what they do after and this and that but jeffrey dahmer is a whole different level of evil
1: yeah He really honestly is, because it's like he's truly into sexualizing pretty much any part of a human. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Absolutely. And, but in a sense too, it also kind of goes back to all people want someone because if he preferred the dead body parts and all of those things he wouldn't have been trying to like he wouldn't have involved evolved into trying to make human zombies either right yeah. like i mean it's still gross it's still yeah. the same it's still diabolical yeah right but I feel like if he could pull off having somebody alive, he would have chosen that, right? But it's just, it's really strange to me because there's those people that pretty much kidnap somebody.
0: Yep.
1: Take them to a hidden location and just keep them in... Keep them trapped. Right? Yeah. Yep. And we've covered lots of people that, you know, it's pretty, that kind of style is pretty well known, right? Or there's people that do what they do and then they kill somebody and then get rid of the body. There's that group of killers too, right? Yeah. But he's this very strange combo of Wanting to keep the body part for the same reason why he, I don't know. It's yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. He's if he keeps the body parts, he can memorize, like immortalize yeah. them to himself, basically, and eats them so they become part of him. Yeah, and. He also has... Because it even... In the... uh, Part one of this... He... Kept one of the skulls early on for... Basically like a sexual apparatus. like Yeah. And that so... For him it's all... Like a sexual thing. What he doesn't want... Is somebody that can think... And move, basically. He just wa- he, he wants a zombie.
1: Yeah, and that's what makes him a little different than other
0: Yeah. Things.
1: And the fact that he's doing it in such a public setting, like an apartment Yeah, like,
0: exactly. Like, like, he's not even, like, taking a drive out of town or something and doing all this yeah. stuff. He's bringing them back to an apartment full of, like, a building full of people And doing that in his own little apartment room. Yeah. On July 15th, Dahmer encountered 24-year-old Oliver Lacey at the corner of 27th and Kilbourne. Lacey agreed to Dahmer's ruse of posing nude for photographs and accompanied him to his apartment, where the pair engaged in tentative sexual activity before Dahmer drugged Lacey. On this occasion... Dahmer intended to prolong the time he spent with Lacey while alive. After unsuccessfully attempting to render Lacey unconscious with chloroform, he phoned his workplace to request a day's absence. This was granted, although the next day he was suspended. After strangling Lacey, Dahmer had sex with the courts before dismembering him. He placed Lacey's head and heart in the refrigerator and his skeleton in the freezer. Four days later, on July 19th, Dahmer received word that he was fired. Upon hearing of this news, Dahmer lured 25-year-old Joseph Bradhoff to his apartment. Bradhoff was strangled and left lying on Dahmer's bed, covered with a sheet for two days. On July 21st, Dahmer removed these sheets to find the head covered in maggots, whereupon he decapitated the body cleaned the head, and placed it in the refrigerator. He later acidified Braidhoff's torso, along with those of two other victims killed within the previous month. So on July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer approached three men with an offer of $100 to accompany him to his apartment to pose for nude photographs, drink beer, and simply keep him company. One of the trio, 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, agreed to accompany him to his apartment. Upon entering Dahmer's apartment, Edwards noted a foul odor and several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, which Dahmer claimed to use for cleaning bricks. After some minor conversation, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view his tropical fish, whereupon Dahmer placed a handcuff upon his wrist. When Edwards asked what's happening, Dahmer unsuccessfully attempted to cuff his wrist together, then told Edwards to accompany him to the bedroom to pose for nude pictures. While inside the bedroom, Edwards noted nude male posters on the wall and that a videotape of The Exorcist III was playing. He also noted a blue 57-gallon drum in the corner from which a strong odor emanated. Dahmer then brandished a knife and informed Edwards he intended to take nude pictures of him. In an attempt to appease Dahmer, Edwards unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would allow him to do so if he would remove the handcuffs and put the knife away. In response to this promise, Dahmer simply turned his attention towards the TV. Edwards observed Dahmer rocking back and forth and chanting before turning his attention back to him. He placed his head on Edwards' chest, listened to his heartbeat, and with the knife pressed against his intended victim, informed Edwards he intended to eat his heart. In continuous attempts to prevent Dahmer from attacking him, Edwards repeated that he was Dahmer's friend and that he was not going to run away. Edwards had decided he was going to either jump from a window or run through the unlocked front door upon the next available opportunity. When Edwards next stated he needed to use the bathroom, he asked if they could sit with a beer in the living room where there was air conditioning. Dahmer consented, and the pair walked to the living room when egg, when Edwards exited the bathroom. <clears throat> Excuse me. Inside the living room, Edwards waited until he observed Dahmer... <laughs> observed Dahmer have a momentary lapse of concentration before requesting to use the bathroom again. When Edwards rose from the couch, he noted Dahmer was not holding the handcuffs, whereupon Edwards punched him in the face, knocking Dahmer off balance, and ran out the front door. (coughs) Excuse me. At 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, Edwards flagged down two Milwaukee police officers at the corner of North 25th Street. The officers noted Edwards had a handcuff attached to his wrist, whereupon he explained to the officers that a freak had placed the handcuffs upon him and asked if the police could remove them. When the officers' handcuff keys failed to fit the brand of handcuffs, Edwards agreed to accompany the officers to the apartment, where Edwards stated he had spent the previous five hours before escaping. Jeez. He was in there for quite a while.
1: Yeah. I'm glad he punched him in the face.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That see, this is the one that got away, right? Yeah. This this um Don it's it's almost like Dahmer got cocky really, and really re- sloppy. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry, honey, but what I'm wondering is because I was listening pretty intently there. Yep. At the beginning of this part, you said he asked three guys to come home with him. Yeah. And I was envisioning like there was a group of three guys that he asked. Did you mean that he um, just asked three different guys at that bar? And this is the guy that ended up going with him?
0: No, he... Excuse me. What happened is Dahmer approached three men with an offer of $100 to accompany him to his apartment and pose for new photographs. One of the trio. 32-year-old Tracy Edwards agreed to. The other two didn't. They just... It was just that one guy that was like, yeah, sure.
1: Okay. I missed that part. Because I was like...
0: (laughs) Where's the other two guys and what's happening with them? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um... When So, when the officers and Edwards arrived at the apartment, uh, two, apartment 213, Dahmer invited the trio inside and acknowledged he had indeed placed the handcuffs upon Edwards, although he offered no explanation as to why he had done so. At this point, Edwards divulged to the officers that Dahmer had also brandished a large knife upon... Uh, sorry. He had, yeah, he had brandished a large knife upon him, and that this had happened in the bedroom. Dahmer made no comment to this revelation, indicating to one of the officers that the key to the handcuffs was inside his bedside dresser. As one of the officers entered the bedroom, Dahmer attempted to passed the officer uh, himself to retrieve the key whereupon the second officer present informed him to back off in the bedroom the first officer noted there was indeed indeed a large knife beneath the bed he also saw an open dra- an open drawer which upon closer inspection contained scores of polaroid pictures many of which were of human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. The second officer noted the decor, indicated that they had been taken in that very apart- apartment in which they were standing. Mueller walked into the living room to show them, oh, um, Mueller walked into the living room to show them to his partner, uttering the words, these are for real. So Mueller, he's the second officer there. Um, When Dahmer saw that Mueller was holding several of his Polaroids, he fought with the officers in an effort to resist arrest. The officers quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, and called a second squad car for backup. At this point... Mueller opened the refrigerator to reveal the freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf. As Dahmer lay pinned to the floor beneath the first officer, he turned his head towards the officers and muttered the words, for what I did, I should be dead. A more detailed search of the apartment conducted by the Milwaukee Police's Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen, A total of seven skulls, some painted, some bleached, were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside a closet. In addition, investigators discovered collected blood drippings upon a tray at the bottom of Dahmer's refrigerator, plus two human hearts and a portion of arm muscle, each wrapped inside plastic bags upon the shelves. In Dahmer's freezer, investigators discovered an entire torso plus a bag of human organs and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom. Yikes. He was keeping a lot in his apartment. It's not a wonder there was constant smells coming out of there.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever been this quiet during an episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: You, you have definitely been quieter this time. Are you you're completely sucked into the, the story or just completely disgusted?
1: Uh, a little of both and also yeah. I'm not super familiar with this story so I just want to know what happens <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, elsewhere in apartment 213, investigators discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in the 57 gallon drum, three further dismembered torsos, dissolving in an acid solution. A total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims were found. In reference to the recovery of body parts and artifacts at 924 North 25th Street, The chief medical examiner later stated it was more like dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene.
1: Yikes. Um, I have seen some of the supposed Polaroids from Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. Yeah. I showed them to you one day, remember?
0: Yeah, I I have a, a slight recollection of that. Yep.
1: And the ones I saw were full bodies like they they weren't dismembered ones but they're chilling
0: oh yeah yeah his murders are absolutely grisly and and what he did and the way he kept the body parts like i can't imagine what these officers and detectives and everybody that was there for the crime scene just like being absolutely blown away at what they stumbled across.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine having all that stuff going on in your house and then just like getting ready for the day and leaving for work, like an normal person? Like,
0: Oh yeah. No. That,
1: that double life thing of a serial killer really intrigues me because I, I don't understand how you can have your shit together enough to... Well, he did lose his job. And Jeffrey Dahmer actually had a far worse job history than a lot of them, right? Yeah. Because he... His living situation changed a lot. And his jobs were changing all the time. But just the fact that he can have really any piece of functioning normal life when that's the kind of stuff going through your brain, like... Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it's, you're right. It it is very interesting because I don't know how they can disassociate themselves with that enough to go and function normally in day-to-day life. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, it's the exact opposite of that.
1: Exactly. Like my head is in the clouds when I leave for the day for work, if I think I may have left the uh, my flat iron on. Yeah. Like, that's distracting enough for me that I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Could you imagine if you had, like, two hearts, four heads, a couple torso? Like, you're just making your next plan for your next victim on top of it. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. It's a different person that can do that kind of stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Beginning in the early hours of July 23rd, 1991, Dahmer was questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy as as to the murders he had committed and the evidence found at his apartment. Over the following two weeks, Kennedy and later Detective Patrick Murphy conducted numerous interviews with Dahmer, which, when combined, totaled over 60 hours. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Um... Dahmer waived his right to have a lawyer present throughout his interrogations, adding he wished to confess all as he had created this horror and it only makes sense. I do everything to put an end to it. So that was his own words there. Um, He readily admitted to having murdered 16 young, young men in Wisconsin since 1987 and one further victim. Stephen Hicks, killed in Ohio back in 1978. Most of Dahmer's victims had been rendered unconscious prior to, prior to their murder, although some had died as a result of having acid or boiling water injected into their brain. As he had no memory of the murder of Toomey, he was unsure whether he was unconscious when beaten to death, although he did concede it was possible that his viewing uh, the exposed chest of Toomey, while in a drunken stupor, may have led him to unsuccessfully attempt to tear Toomey's heart from his chest. Jesus, wow. Almost all the almost all the murders Dahmer committed after moving into the Oxford apartments had involved a ritual of posing the victims' bodies in suggestive positions, typically with the chest thrust outwards. Prior to dismemberment, Dahmer readily admitted to engaging in necrophilia with several of his victims' bodies, including performing sexual acts with their viscera as he dismembered their bodies in the bathtub.
1: He was doing sexual acts in the middle of dismembering
0: them? With parts of the flesh he was cutting off. Having noted that much of the blood pooled inside the victim's chest after death, Dahmer first removed their internal organs, then suspended the torso so the blood drained into the bathtub, before dicing any organs he did not wish to retain, and paring the flesh from the body. The bones he wished to dispose of were pulverized or acidified with soilex and bleach solutions, used to aid in the preservation of skeletons and skulls he wished to keep. In addition, Dahmer confessed to having consumed the hearts, livers, biceps, and portions of thighs of several victims killed within the previous year. Describing the increase in his rate of killing in the two months prior to his arrest, Dahmer stated he had been completely swept along with his compulsion to kill, adding, it was an incessant, and never-ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost. Someone good-looking, really nice-looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long. So, yikes. That's And that's kind of like what you were saying, like the need to to be with someone. Yeah. Right? Like in just any and all old, old way possible. Like it just didn't matter. When asked as to why he had preserved a total of seven skulls and the entire skeletons of two victims, Dahmer stated he had been in the process of constructing a private altar of victims. Uh, uh, Sorry, a private altar of victim skulls, which he had intended to display on the black table located in his living room and upon which he had photographed the bodies of many of his victims. The The display of skulls was to be adorned at each side with the complete skeleton of Miller and Lacey. The four severed heads found in the kitchen were to be removed of all flesh and used in this altar, as was the skull of at least one future victim. Incense sticks were to be placed at each end of the black table, above which Dahmer intended to place a large blue lamp with extending blue globe lights. The entire construction was to be placed before a window covered with a black, opaque shower curtain in front of which Dahmer intended to sit in a black leather chair. When asked in a November 18th, 1991 interview who the altar was dedicated to, Dahmer replied, Myself. It was a place where I could feel at home. Oh. Yeah. He further described his intended altar as a place for meditation from where he believed he could draw a sense of power, adding, if this had happened six months later, that's what they would have found.
1: When when they said, if this, they meant they were talking about his arrest.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he would have... If, If they wouldn't have arrested him then... And got him six months later, that's what they would have found was this actual altar and seating. It's like almost like he's creating his own throne surrounded by his trophies. On July 25th, 1991, Dahmer was charged with four counts of first degree murder. By August 22nd, he had been charged with a further 11 murders committed in Wisconsin. On September 14th, investigators in Ohio, having uncovered hundreds of bone fragments in in the woodland behind the address in which Dahmer had confessed to killing his first victim, formally identified two molars and a vertebrae with x-ray records of Hicks. Three days later, Dahmer was charged by authorities in Ohio with Hicks murder. Dahmer was not charged with the attempted murder of Edwards, nor with the murder of Toomey, excuse me. He was not charged with Toomey's murder because the Milwaukee County District Attorney only brought charges where murder could be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And Dahmer had no memory of actually committing this particular murder for which no physical evidence of the crime existed. At a scheduled pl- preliminary hearing on January 13, 1992, Dahmer pleaded guilty, but insane, to 15 counts of murder. Three months after his conviction in Milwaukee, Dahmer was extradited to Ohio to be tried for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks. In a court hearing lasting just 45 minutes, Dahmer again pleaded guilty to the charges and was sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment on May 1st, 1992. Dahmer received 16 total life sentences for the murders. On the morning of November 28th, 1994... So, sorry, um, that is... That's the whole thing now of Dahmer that's the whole all his murders he did over all those years Uh, the actual arrest um, the trial and that and this last little blurb is actually if any of you have heard of Jeffrey Dahmer and didn't know he was murdered himself in jail and this is just the short little story of kind of how that happened On the morning of November 28, 1994, Dahmer left his cell to conduct his assigned work detail. Accompanying him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The trio were left unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for approximately 20 minutes. At approximately 8.10 a.m., Dahmer was discovered on the floor of the bathroom of the bathroom of the gym, suffering from extreme head and facial wounds. He had been severely bludgeoned about the head and face with a 20-inch metal bar. His head had also been repeatedly struck against the wall in the assault. Although Dahmer was still alive and was rushed to a nearby hospital, he was pronounced dead one hour later. Anderson had also been beaten with the same instrument and died two days later from his wounds. So Yikes. yeah, Christopher Scarver murdered both of them in the prison gym bathroom.
1: He was taking out the trash.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not. You're not wrong about uh, Dahmer. I don't know anything about the other guy. But, yeah, I
1: guess. But
0: yeah, he was absolutely did no harm with that one. Really.
1: Yeah, except for the fact that I feel like people like Jeffrey Dahmer need to live as long as possible in jail because it's boring and torturous
0: yeah absolutely death is an easy way out of a punishment like that exactly staying in jail and rotting for the rest of your life is actually a fairly good punishment for a lot of things
1: yeah exactly
0: but yeah so that that's it that concludes the jeffrey dahmer story
1: Good job on Jeffrey Dahmer, honey.
0: Thank you. That was a really interesting one. It was very grisly and brutal and disgusting and depraved and sick, uh, but very interesting. It was a lot that I had no idea about.
1: It's like with a story like that, you get bombarded with murder and gruesomeness and... It's really shocking. Yeah. That one single human can inflict that amount of pain and torment on somebody else for ultimately their own sexual gratification.
0: Yeah. 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 And some of them, some of them as young as 14. Yeah. It's, I can't imagine how the you know, the victim's families feel too. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Um, so before we go, um, we want to mention again, uh, you guys to check out little nerdy. Mm -hmm. Um, they got a great podcast, they release new episodes every Tuesday. They got their debate without hate once a month. Um, lots of uh, light-heartedness and humor in that. Yeah. Uh, they like to talk about um nerd culture, geek culture, uh movies, video games, anime, board games. You yeah. know, all all sorts of things like that. You name it, you, you they're gonna discuss it. Um, but yeah check them out and check out their facebook page as well drop a line say hi
1: yeah it's true yeah you can visit our facebook page too and say hi to us as well
0: yeah yeah we like we like when people say hi we say hi back yeah all right well thanks for joining us guys i hope uh, we hope you guys enjoyed part two yeah and we hope to have you back next Monday for some podcast podcast and chill.